everyone. Welcome to the Revolutionize the Stage podcast brought to you by Venue Live, where we are constantly talking to experts in the music industry that are trying to make an impact in this space. And today we have two lovely special guests for our first episode. We have Winnie Galbadoris and Jamie Bellotti. Thank you guys for joining. Woo, thanks for having us. Super excited to be here and just ready to chat and see what we have to share with everyone today. Yeah, Yay. couldn't say it better myself. I'm extremely excited to be here and I'm excited to talk more. I know, Jamie, with what you are doing right now, fan to band, it's literally bringing fans to, uh, or trying to bring fans into the professional space, being able to work with their artists. And Winnie, I know you started out as a fan before working where you work now at KCON. And um, I think uh, it's very important, and many of us know that, to have a fan a part of a management team or a part of an organization so that they have a better, well-rounded way of looking at how to target those other fans. Um, I think it's great that you guys both decided to come on today and you guys both have very unique perspectives as well. So before we get started, can you guys introduce yourself starting with Winnie? Yeah, so hi everyone. My name's Winnie Galvadores and I currently work for KCON or PJEM America as the talent relations and programming manager. So if you haven't heard of KCON, we're a annual convention that happens globally, but I'm in charge of the US side. So we're in LA, New York, we once did Mexico for our team. So basically anywhere that your special guests, whether they be YouTubers, beauty content creators, anything you name it, I've probably worked with them and brought them to the convention. So they're pretty much my forte. And you know, a lot of other things come with this job, but I'm your KCON go to if you need that. So <laughs> been with the company for about six years now so definitely excited to kind of like talk more about where I came from and how I'm doing so mm -hmm. yeah thanks for giving me the opportunity to share yes thank you Winnie also we just worked together recently um there's something related to that uh for another podcast so amazing person lovely to work with I don't know how you handle everything you do because it's insane. I'm always up for like random ideas, wild ideas. And if they don't happen now, they can happen two years later, maybe. <laughs> but thank you, Winnie. Thank you for introducing yourself. And Jamie, can you introduce yourself as well? Of course. And just to say, huge fan of both of what you guys are doing. But um, in terms of what I'm doing right now, I am one of the co-founders of a company called fan to band We are, are an entertainment company that specializes in implementing fan strategy to different sectors of the music industry. Basically, we came about because as I was working across Warner, Universal, as well as Sony, I saw that what I thought of as a fan wasn't always implemented into campaigns for certain artists because if you didn't understand a fan base or have the respect to understand a fan base from being a fan yourself, it seemed like foreign knowledge to some label and management executives. So, you know, there was really a lot of guessing going on in terms of what fans would enjoy. So with us, you don't have to guess. We do services of digital marketing events, both in person, hopefully soon, as well as digital and consulting. And what we do is we give fans credit for their ideas, hear them out for their opinions, and then mix that alongside the insight from the artist teams. And you tend to create campaigns and activations you didn't even know you needed. And we're excited to give fans a platform to voice everything they want to say. Wow. that's And you just graduated from college within the last few years, right? 
Yeah, so I graduated college in May of 2020. I went to John Jay College in criminal justice um, back in uh, New York, and I graduated with a pre-law degree. I absolutely never wanted to study law, but I used it as my angle. You know, every time I was interviewing, I said, it's always good to know how to read a contract, which wasn't just an angle. It proved to be true, especially with starting your own business. So I'm happy it happened and I'm learning every single day. So yeah, wow. definitely young, but I, I tend to feel like I'm 80 years old. <laughs> well, I mean, you're doing a lot to start out, like within two years, creating your own company, like a company that like, I don't know if there's anything that exists that it's like it. I mean, I know you guys spotlight a lot of different kinds of initiatives and things like that, but you guys are doing a lot and you're very consistent with the content that you put out. And, it, you know, just for graduating in 2020, I'm, I'm very, that's awesome. So congratulations. That's amazing. Thank you. And, you know, I know it's kind of, if you know what we do as a company on the back end, working with artists as well as clients, you know, um, but we tend and we actually mean to use our socials as the ultimate fan account for the fans because, you know, prior to the pandemic, nobody in these labels was open about being a fangirl. If anything, you were scared to say it. So I'm glad about this new wave of fan engagement that, you know, we're, we're a part of as well. And I'm excited for the day where professionals can say the term fan or fangirl without being afraid. Winnie, you look like you were going to agree. Is that the same? Do you feel the same in, in you know, the K-pop world? Yeah, very similar um, to what Jamie just mentioned. It's, you know, there is a rise in the way that fans can become professionals. And at KCON, we have had these programs and panels where we invite people to speak about kind of like becoming a fan and their journey to a professional. So I feel that sentiment with both of our journeys here i mm -hmm. you know was a fan of k-pop prior to becoming a cj worker and there definitely is a line you know like fans more than welcome to like pursue their dreams be a part of these entertainment companies but i do think that there is a there there should be a line of you should still be professional you know like mm -hmm. just learn the working ways of being professional but as i feel like we continue into just like the workforce and like corporate change, like there is more room to be, you know, understanding of a different way of working. Like we're not just trying to work nine to five and become like a cookie cutter worker, you know, like mm -hmm. we are creative, we are engaging. There is so much in the world that is changing. So I do agree that like, you know, there is still that slight stigma. Like I don't want to just be branded as a fan girl of a group, you know, but mm -hmm. there doesn't mean that we can't invite fans into this space because what Jamie does is like really important and it's kind of what I also bring into KCON where you should listen to fans because they have great ideas they are like the backbone of these artists that they love and they they usually make the best ideas so mm. <laughs> yeah what was the first thing that both of you were a fan remember being a fan of or maybe not the first thing but like where your biggest fandom lies or has lied laid before i guess um starting with jamie one direction i was a big one direction fan mm -hmm. um yeah and i just want to say too like i will never ever like i love k-pop music but i respect k-pop k-pop fans way too much to ever brand myself as a stan i stand the fans that's that's where i'm at but really i, I was so excited to speak here today just because K-pop as a whole is literally 10 years ahead of fan engagement. And I think that mm -hmm. 
in many ways, the music industry everywhere else can learn from them, but especially in fan engagement. So that's how I started out as a fan. I wonder, actually, before we get to Winnie, what are you, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective of mainly standing Western groups, what about K-pop uh, fan engagement from the company label perspective do you think is, what exactly is more advanced about it? If you want to like elaborate. So, um from the people who I've talked to, especially, you know, I sit down on literal four hour calls with all my friends um, who are K-pop stands. And it's just the amount of one example of someone who I spoke to recently is that they were working with a video videographer, can't speak today, um, a K-pop concert. And the video person was so confused as to why they were there so early. Um, and from my knowledge, please everyone fact check me and correct me if I'm wrong because I'm still learning. Um, but the fact that you, they fans trade items and they show up and they also, um, you know, they work concerts. I know, I'm sure you guys know, um, like they have this whole process in different um, agencies to hire fans to work tours. And it's apparently a huge process that you go through. So one, I think that's massive of something that the industry can do over here. And as well as just listening to their fans and giving them content that is authentic to not only the group at the time or the artist, but to the fans as well. They're not just pumping out content just for the sake of doing so. It's extremely catered. And from being the back end of both labels and management, you know, it seems to be a very copy and paste trend game. Like, oh, dancers on TikTok is blowing up. We need to throw 10,000 at this dancer on TikTok, you know, influencer marketing, you know, people tend to try to get on the next trend rather than understand fan engagement at its core. And from my perspective, at least from my knowledge, again, continuing to learn every single day, um, I think that K-pop really does have a good grasp on the core of what fan engagement is to each group or artist specifically. Interesting. Yeah, you mentioned the trading cards and obviously like photo cards and things like that. Winnie, you're familiar with that. Winnie, I want to know what was the first thing you were a fan of? Yeah, so I probably liked NSYNC first. <laughs> um, right, I remember going to concerts. I was probably like, what, seven or eight. And I would be going with like my sisters and my cousins to like Qualcomm Stadium in San Diego mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, going to an NSYNC concert. So that was probably the first thing I was a fan of. And that was really fun. And later on, I did like One Direction as well, like sadness to my soul when they like split <laughs> up because that was probably the first time I had ever experienced like a group you know kind of disbanding in a way but you know props to them because they've all made it so far and continue to make it so far now and then for me I started liking k-pop kind of like later on for some people but it was 2013 so that was when EXO came out with growl and I was just like Wow! Yes. I just keep playing this video yes. for some strange reason, and I was like, I just need to watch this again. But mm -hmm. why? So I actually studied sociology in, at UCLA, and that was my background. And later on, I was also doing some sociology projects in relation to fans and why they like K-pop, and you know, what are some reasons that they like K-pop versus American and Western music. So it was really interesting to see the differences in why fans were more catered or liking to K-pop versus like pop music. So that was a fun time during college, but mm -hmm. 
pretty much since then. Um, I've still liked K-pop here and there, still a fan of like Western music as well. Um, it's been mm -hmm. fun. I always love live concerts. Like I feel like working in live events can be certainly draining, but for me, going to live concerts was kind of like my refresh. That's so interesting. You mentioned Cashmere Cat, and that brought me back to like 2014. And I was like, oh my God, that was, oh, I haven't heard that in such a long time. Okay, so you guys both mentioned how, um, I guess, in terms of, you know, Jamie, you mentioned how you worked with Sony Universal and, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, was it Columbia? Warner, Warner, I'm sorry. Okay, so when you were... When you were there, did you find that majority of the people working on your similar level, were they fans as well? Or are they more so like, um, you know, they might have been songwriters themselves or, you know, marketing and just like, ah, oh, music sounds cool type thing. Or were they all like, you know, Harry Styles is like amazing. I would love to work for Wonder. I feel like I find a lot of directioners like somehow end up working in the music like it tends to just follow us everywhere which i'm very much okay with there's a lot mm -hmm. to learn also you know i can't sit here and tell you i'm a fan of absolutely every artist in the world that would just be the biggest lie but i take that respect that i know that i have for my favorite artists and mm -hmm. i transfer it over to all the fans who that means that much to someone um mm -hmm. with everything we do but yeah, so the reason why I am where I am today is because everyone I worked with was fans, but nobody really spoke about it. And I just want to clarify too, you know, when you're when you're getting into the music industry because you're passionate from being a fan, I'm sure as you guys know, it doesn't make you any less professional. Just like myself, everyone I worked with, you know, were the first there, last to leave, absolutely mm -hmm. professionalism, 110%. And, you know, just like, I mean, especially women, you know, when you're looked at as hysterical for being a fangirl, so to speak, you really do have to keep the professionalism even more so than others just to avoid the stigma sometimes. Mm -hmm. But the term, oh, I'm a fan of someone wasn't something that was openly talked about. It was like, if you knew, you knew situation. Mm -hmm. um, but when the music industry went online because of the pandemic, it's like everybody else in the industry joined this community that fans had already established for a decade. So if anything, the only reason why my supervisors, my colleagues, everybody else, you know, below or above me was able to survive is because we understood fan culture that was online for the majority of it, regardless, you know, in, in addition to concerts, but we knew how that online community works. So we took our day-to-day -day tasks and every goal we had and, transferred it there. So I truly think that that's what kept the music industry alive during all of it. Hmm. Wow. Interesting. That makes me think of, um, and I wonder, Winnie, in your case as well, or what your thoughts are on this, but we both know Olivia Rudensky, who used to be a super fan of Miley Cyrus and literally is working with her or has been working with her for the past six years. Like, I wonder, is there, um, compared to Western, Western artists, compared to K-pop artists, um, the hesitancy maybe, or just cultural differences in terms of like, would you ever have like someone like, so Olivia, when he used to run a Miley Cyrus fan account and was like super, super Miley Cyrus fan. And now she, she literally like is doing everything digitally for all things Miley Cyrus now. And so I wonder like, Winnie, do you think there would ever be a chance? Let's say like, if I know that a couple of like girls generation fans have turned 
like super or turn to like somehow help consult with SM in different ways. But like, what are your thoughts on, you know, maybe a K-pop fan being able to actually, you know, one day, you know, be management for, I don't know, stray kids type thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely think that there is, um, there could be that chance, you know, there's nothing mm. that's impossible in this world. I think as long as you try, like all we can do is try. Right. Mm. But I do think that there, there's going to be probably a lot of hoops to get there. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, because just with the nature of, um, you know, what we've seen in K-pop fans, sometimes there are these, you know, really dedicated fans, but they might be going to places that are technically private for the yeah. artists. I think that really draws a line in where, in the end, as much as we have these people that we love and, you know, they are celebs, we all are still human and can benefit mm -hmm. from, you know, the privacy or the just like general space around us so mm -hmm. I don't think that it's impossible like if you have a situation where there is this individual who has like the best ideas and they're kind of like doing it better than who the marketing team is right now then yeah mm -hmm. why not you know like right. I think it would be a loss to the company or the management to not take a chance on that um mm -hmm. And, you know, there are ways in which fans are already doing a lot for artist management companies. So, you know, they have like the um, fan clubs online and whatnot, or we mm -hmm. have a lot of like, Twitter accounts that are like fan clubs. Like sometimes we do invite these fan clubs at KCON. So like yeah. say there is a, for example, like Seventeen has come to KCON before. And mm -hmm. I, I love the fan club in the US that runs their stuff, they're just so organized, so professional. Like, I don't even have to provide as much direction for their program because they're like, here's a six page, like everything we wanna do and we're super organized. And I'm just like, I love you all. And yes, <laughs> here's all your supplies. And you know, if they were to eventually later on down the road, get a job with 17, like I wouldn't be surprised because they're mm. great at what they do, mm. but yeah i think the main thing would be where these people are coming from only example is because like a lot of korean pop is still based in korea right, right. So you have fans globally like i'm over here in the us um is there really that opportunity for a u.s individual to work at an artist management mm -hmm. maybe but you would have to move you know you would have to like take a lot of effort um right. and you know some entertainment companies are based in America, like they have some, you know, US component, right? So there mm -hmm. is that outlet. And I think that's amazing because yeah, as K-pop continues to expand, like you just need to have more bases and workers all over the world, right? To mm -hmm. kind of like engage with those fans and like kind of, you know, plan things locally. So yeah, I just feel like there will still continue to be like more opportunities to for fans to work in K-pop as mm -hmm. it used to expand. Yeah. And I, I think what you said about, you know, seven or carrot, whatever carrot fan club, like they're very, very highly organized. Um, and I, when you said 17 or when you were like, oh, talking about the fan groups, I was like, oh, 17, they're very like, they're very organized. And I just remember that 17 room were like, and ATs in particular too, where they were just like doing their dances and like, you know, meetups type thing. Um, but I wonder actually, uh, Jamie and, and your respect, um, I know that you, like you said, you were a directioner, um, Jonas Brothers fan or Joe Bro fan. Um, and 
you also spotlight like, you know, individuals like Ariana Grande, Taylor Swift. Have you noticed any different trends between solo Western artists and uh, groups and, and like, why don't we are pretty much that's popular right now? How, how do fans interact um, based on, you know, if they're a solo artist or a group or is it kind of similar? Um, I, I swear to you, in terms of um, both Why Don't We and Pretty Much, the first fans I've ever said the term fan to band to before was when I was working a meet and greet at Atlantic for Why Don't We Show mm-hmm. at Radio City in 2019. And I saw that they were working, um, they were setting up the fan project and they were talking about trends and they were telling me everything they do online before the concert. And I said, no one's giving you credit for this. And, you know, that's the thing about fans. They do these things because they have the artist's best interest. Um, and I thought at, at least at the end of the day that someone should give them credit for their opinions that are being valued because at the end of the day, those opinions can make or break how well a campaign does, a single, um, et cetera. But in terms of, um, I, I don't even want to go down to say that every single group versus solo artists is categorized a certain way. I mean, yeah, for sure. In terms of, um, you know, group acts that it's like everyone has their lane, so to speak, they say, um, and everyone has their favorites. So there can be a bit of competition within the fandom, at least that's from my own experience as a directioner back in the day, still till this day. Um, And then, you know, with solo artists, people, you know, you have some people who absolutely like Stan, Ariana Grande or Taylor Swift, but they usually also are huge stands of somebody else. But again, I, I try not to put people in boxes just because, but of course, there's so much to learn from this and all the questions you're asking. There are for sure different traits, but at least from my perspective, um, the less that we categorize it, the more insight there is to pull from it, because at least, um, when I see, you know, labels and management group fans by the demographics of age, gender, and location, I just see that there's so much disconnect. So mm-hmm. the number one thing we try to do is get to know them as individuals and then zoom out from the overall, you know, view of it all. But mm-hmm. I will tell you, within groups, there seems to be more competition amongst fans, which isn't mm-hmm. always a terrible thing. I think for One Direction, that's what inspired a lot of us one direction fans to become professionals because we had this like fire underneath us and i'll just speak for myself that um within the other fans i was like okay if this fan could work here i could work there um and you know you grow together so Hmm. and with fan the band you guys have made me think about it you guys have these weekly sort of uh song choosing uh type uh lists that come out that have featured a couple of k-pop artists woods send me rose k-pop stands on our team like yeah. massive we we make sure that you know if you can't if you can't relate to me if you and i are not mutuals in terms of who we stand there is someone on our team who is we really mm-hmm. really um prioritize diversity as well as pushing different artists as well as um you know making sure that everyone feels represented on our socials obviously we have been very very much pop based in the beginning of it but that was just because um those were the fans that i in person met when i was working at these labels and decided to support us from very very early stages so 
we're making sure to expand but oh yeah k-pop music is fantastic whether you're like an og stan or not definitely mm -hmm. playing around here and it, uh, it makes me think about and kind of segueing into this uh topic of now that we are in a pandemic hopefully soon we'll be done um but now that we are obviously people had to readjust and um kcon did that through k contact in many different ways you guys obviously had the online concert part of it but also there were um meet and greets and things like that that you could be a part of so um from your perspective winnie how has k contact uh what's the evolution of that been like in your in your perspective over the last three um, I guess, iterations of it. Yeah, so, you know, wow, it feels like when the pandemic first kind of like really happened back in mm -hmm. March, I feel like it's been like 12 years of yeah. like existing inside. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, interestingly, early on, we were like, okay, like, let's, you know, we were all very hopeful that this stay at home order was only going to be like a month. Um, so at the beginning, we were still really planning for an in person event, you know, um, mm -hmm. it wasn't until maybe like a couple months before our dates where we were just like, you know, just due to the safety and like the state of the world. And there were a lot of issues with having visas, you know, that's already an issue with having Korean artists come to the US and getting their visas to perform and whatnot. But with the ongoing pandemic, it's like all the embassies were shut down as well. So mm -hmm. it was really during that time where the company had come to the conclusion that, you know, we're just going to have to roll with a, a virtual event, not to say that everyone was doing a virtual event, but, you know, that, that fandom is still there right and especially during this like difficult time i think a lot of companies similar to kcon just wanted a way for fans to be able to greet their artists and kind of have some sense of normalcy or just a moment to take a breather and like enjoy a concert online so with the first kick contact you know we hosted it on youtube and we've had three seasons ever since and they've all been really great like we've had viewership from all over the world with over four million tuning in each time so it's been a steady four million each time around and it's kind of been amazing to see as much as we have pandemic fatigue we're still trying to <laughs> enjoy the little things so mm -hmm. yeah it's been really fun I think on the concert side we've seen an evolution in the way that stages are presented virtually so you know mm -hmm. in a person concert you have a lot of props like whether that be stage design fireworks confetti like there's a lot of physical aspects right but mm -hmm. for cake contact um some of the great things that we were able to do were incorporate really gnarly ar stages like we made it look like some of the bands were performing at a desert and yeah. at first even even i was like wow that looks that looks pretty good. Like, you know, I was like, they're in the ocean. Okay. Mm -hmm. Or like, it was, it was fun to see because it's not like you would really see that at an in-person concert. So, mm -hmm. you know, a new experience of AR and just most recently we kind of played around with sound more. So we had video segments where fans were supposed to put like headphones in or like AirPods and there was a live band playing with the artist. So if you listen through your headphones, you got more of like a 3D experience in sound. Mm -hmm. So, you know, those are just some of the ways that we've tried to improve the experience of 
viewing a concert online, you know, our screen can only do so much, but we're all thankful for the screen right now. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Nice, nice. And I wonder, Jamie, from your perspective of, of viewing online concerts throughout the pandemic, um, what are some trends or, you know, things that stick out to you that you've seen um, many of these, you know, Western artists do? Yeah, um, I would say in the actual shows, I'm loving when they're not pre-recorded. I know that it leaves a lot of room for error. I 110% understand that. But what I saw a lot of what's happening is that, you know, usually when you're at a live show and the fans are tweeting or they talk about it afterwards, there's these little things that happen that make that show unique to them, whether that's a comment or like a dance move or a song, whatever that may be. And when the shows are pre-recorded, um, you know, and in the beginning when they kept playing the same show over and over, even when they were different quote unquote tour dates um, for different areas of the world online, um, you know, it became a little inauthentic. So what I saw some great people doing, I'm pretty sure it was Youngblood who did it um, the first time he was recording different versions of the pre-recorded ones and you fans started to tell that he actually took the time to pre-record these on different dates um at least that's what stan twitter says um so because there were those unique aspects to it as well um i think it was also really cool to see um artists play around with different kinds of live streaming you know you have Moment House, and then you also have, um, I'm trying to think of the company, but whatever the weekend used, as well as Billie Eilish, to create insane worlds still for, you know, artists to, to express themselves and for fans to feel like they're a part of it, even from their screen. So it was, it was cool to feel the authenticity through the screen, whatever felt right to the artist, whether it was a small intimate session on like a rug in the middle of a warehouse, or there's a whole CGI um, thing going on. It, it was cool to see personality shine through. So yeah, I hope that answers the question. No, yeah, it does. I mean, you mentioned some of the kind of multiverse type things that could happen as well. One thing that Venue Live has been able to successfully do is um, implement the multicam kind of view. Um, you can get many different viewpoints of different, you know, members of whatever um, group, and also, you know, pairing the the light sticks with the actual whatever's going on in the the concert, and then the sort of fan view that's behind it, um, behind the artist, so that they can actually see. It's like it's really cool to see how. Um, the pandemic is making everyone become a little more high tech and, and I guess with it and that kind of thing. Hello, everyone. If you're listening to this, you've reached the end of part one of episode one of Revolutionize the Stage with Winnie and Jamie as our guests. We'll be back with part two next week. But in the meantime, make sure to follow Venue Live on our socials, Instagram and Twitter at v-e-n-e-w underscore live l-i-v-e and you can like us on facebook as well if you're watching this video you're watching it on youtube so make sure to hit the subscribe button i'm gonna put it right there subscribe button and if you want to check out the upcoming concerts we have on venue live make sure to visit venue live Dot com. And if you have any thoughts, comments, suggestions, ideas for what can make this podcast better as we continue it on, you can email us at contact at venuelive.com. Thank you so much for listening to part one of episode one. We'll be back, like I said, with part two with Winnie and Jamie and 
have a lovely week. See you next week.